Peace, family, and thank you for tuning in to Understanding the Nursing Game podcast. Many people are looking for financial help while in college. I would love to present the Thelma Lee McKenzie Nursing Scholarship. It was designed for nursing students at the University of South Alabama. You must have a 3.0 GPA and have graduated from a high school within Washington or Clark County in the state of Alabama. If anybody have any more questions about this scholarship, please call Rebecca Baker at 251-341-3721. We're back again. Uh, this is Barry Coleman on another episode of Understanding the Nursing Game. Um, yes, I got a um, special guest on for today. But before we get to her, I want to go ahead and tell all the fans, uh, thank you for tuning in. Seems like we are, we're doing pretty good. I, I always like to shout out Orlando, Florida, because that's our biggest market right now. Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Georgia. Where else? New York, New York. Uh, where else? And Dallas. Those are the biggest markets that's following. Also the Bay Area, too. So uh, it seems like people are tuning in and listening and, and enjoying themselves. So I just want to tell y'all, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. Also, we got the quote of the day. Of the day. Let's see here. If you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. I'm going to say it again. If you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. Miss uh, Maya Angelo, she said that one. That's a pretty profound one. There's no need to try to fit in with nobody else. Hey, you just you just use the gift that you was given, and you just let, let allow your gifts to make a way for you in this world. And that's how you show people how amazing you are. Everybody is different. There's nothing wrong with being different. You just have to be comfortable with yourself and not being afraid to reach whatever goal it is that you want to you want to reach in life. So that's my little positive word of the day. Now I'm back on to drinking my old wine. And then this is going to be a good interview. I got a laundry list of questions for this young lady. Um, by the way, uh, she's one of my co-worker wife. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm happy to have her on. How are you doing today, Miss uh, Jessica? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me today. This is the first time I've ever been on a podcast, so I'm a little nervous. You don't have to worry. I'm gonna be the only one making the ass out of themselves. You you gonna be you gonna be just fine. I say I say enough Perfect. stupid stuff. Yeah, you can ask you can ask your husband Ricardo. Hey, I say plenty of stupid stuff, so you don't have to worry. Everybody laugh at me. They'll take you serious. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, hey. We're going to go ahead and um, I'd like to start it off the same way with everybody. Um, tell everybody where you're from. Um, well, my family's actually from Los Angeles and I lived there for a little bit when I was little. Um, and then I, I, but I pretty much grew up here in Napa. So I've been up here, but I was born and raised in LA for a little bit. Okay. Okay. Now mm-hmm. I haven't been to LA. I don't know one side from the other. What part of LA did you? Um, I was born in Inglewood, and then my parents and us, we lived in Torrance and Hawthorne area. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. That's why you like rap music then. 
Yeah, That's why I want to come join you in the OR, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Second question. How did you get into nursing? What made you want to get into it? Well, that's a, um, a long story, but I'll make it um, fairly short. So um, my mom is actually um, the major inspiration as to why I'm a nurse. So she's a nurse as well. Um, and so when I was growing up, I'd be able to go to work with her at night. She works in labor and delivery. And then in high school, I did a whole um, project on nursing and I was able to shadow her and her coworkers for quite some time. So that was really nice. Wow. So that was one of the main reasons, you know, my mom, like I said, she's such a big inspiration for me. You know, she came up growing up having me and my brothers with my dad at 17, you know, on welfare. And she has just built herself up so well. And she just graduated with her PhD. So, you know, just seeing her, you know, grow and how much her patients loved her is something that really um, inspired me. Um, but also the other portion as to why I wanted to be a nurse was when she was 35, so it's been about 11 years now, she actually had a cardiac arrest um, and she was told that she wasn't going to make it. And this is when I, when I was a senior in high school, actually. And so she spent, you know, a couple of weeks in the intensive care unit and um, just the compassion and care that um, everyone gave my mom and my family during that hard time for us is really what um, solidified me going into nursing right out of high school. Wow, that's a lot, man. You got, well, you know, that experience um, helped you choose nursing. Uh, I'm going to share mm -hmm. my little story. My dad had got sick with uh, blood clots in his lungs and in his legs. And uh, he was in, he had, uh, you know, emergency heart surgery, of course. And then um, not only that, you know, he was in the ICU for about probably a good week two weeks or something like that. And um, I just saw how, how well the nurses took care of him. Um, mm -hmm. At that particular time, I wanted to be a pharmacist, but I decided um, a little while later on that I, you know, I could, I could become a nurse. And so that, um, you know, it's, it's good that you was able to see that, how well the nurses took care of your mom and, and um, help persuade you to become a nurse and, and have an impact on people in, in today's society. Mm -hmm. so, but uh, yes, uh, where did you go to school at? Um, so I went to school at Napa College here in town. And so I actually did a very untraditional route. Um, it's such an Im impacted program in California in general. Um, and so when I originally got out of nursing um, school and complete all my prereqs um, and ready to apply the program, they closed the wait list. It was about a seven to 10 year wait list because it was so impacted. Um, and so that's what we were seeing about, you know, um, I guess seven to 10 years ago. So what I ended up doing was taking the LVN program um, and then just bridging right over from LVN to RN. So I, I was an RN within, you know, about two and a half years, which is just a little over two years of what a regular program would be at. But that way, you know, I wasn't sitting around and, you know, using my knowledge that I just um, gained from all our prereqs. So um, that's kind of an untraditional route that I like to share with people because um, not a lot of people know about that option. Wow, that's that's um what I'm actually my uh, mentor he he went through that he went and did like the uh, LPN and then he went into um the REN program that way. Man, um, it's a lot of I'm assuming it's a lot of people that want to get into nursing. Uh, it's very competitive. I'm assuming mm -hmm. since it's that impact 
Yep. Yes, it's very competitive. And what hap- it tends to happen is that um, those um, who are able to afford um, college um, and don't have to work full time and have the luxury of staying at home, they're able to pay for their private school tuition um, is what you know usually see instead of going through a community college. So uh, are you saying that it's um, easier to get into the private school? It seems like it's a little bit easier to get into the private school. There's so much hurdles to get through. And I think that's something that especially like underserved um, individuals. And like I said, those who have to work in, you know, 2021 that need to survive on income living in the Bay Area, they kind of tend to um, take that untraditional route of going, you know, like the LPN route versus to RN Bridge, um, just because it's more of a part-time program and able to still work, take care of their family um, and everything. But yep, going into the private schools, it seems to be as paying the tuition and being able to just... uh, they admit also several more times a year than an actual community college does. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I didn't know it was that tough. I, I always yeah. heard about, you know, uh, I guess a uh, uh, nursing program and, you know, some people would say you could be on the waiting list. I never heard of that in Alabama. You know, you pretty much apply and mm-hmm. you, either you get in or you don't. And then, um, you know, not waiting 17 years, things of that nature. I guess just just due to the pure um, population size and the the cost of it is what attracts a lot of people to the state schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now for Napa College, um, they've changed their um, requirements, and so now it's a first come first serve basis instead of the wait list. So that's um, been a little bit you know easier to get in. But majority of the systems around here are lottery systems, like you said. You either get in or you don't. Mm. I mm-hmm. got you. So basically what you're saying, hey, it better to know somebody. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You need to know somebody. Okay. All yeah. right. So uh, tell us about some of your struggles while you was in nursing school. Uh, did you even have any? Um, you know, I have to say that I was actually very fortunate during the time. I went right and I was one of those who was able to stay at home still. You know, I didn't have to work. My parents took care of everything for me. So my sole job was to go to school. So I don't necessarily have to say that I have had any struggles as far as going into the program at all. But, you know, that wasn't the same for my classmates. Um, You know, a lot of them had to work and they had families. And um, so, like I said, I didn't necessarily had struggles. um, But I know nursing school in general isn't, you know, the easiest task to um, undertake. But other than that, I would say I've been very fortunate um, during my time. Okay. All right, then. Do you remember your uh, your first day as a nurse? And, and what type of job did you have? Yeah, so I actually got hired in um, the intensive care unit as a new grad. Um, and so my first day um, as a nurse was in the intensive care unit. Okay. okay. How, how did you get that job? I mean, I mean, most times new grads don't get a job, a brand new job in the ICU. I, I got no. to know. So I was actually, again, just like kind of luck of the draw. So um, there was a program through Sonoma State University and and was um, called Transition to Practice. Um, And what it did was it allowed new graduates to um, essentially transition from the nursing, you know, student mentality to an actual working nurse profession. Um, And so I did 200, I think 250, 280 hours on a telemetry floor. Um, and that allotted you, and it was a full interview process as far as, you know, a lot of candidates applied and then they chose, you know, 
certain individuals for certain areas. Um, and then after completing your time, you were able to apply for a staff nurse two position, which means you need to have more than one year experience, um, but allowed you to actually apply um, to these uh, other uh, units that you wanted to. So at the time uh, they had uh, new grad opportunities for two of us to go into the ICU. Um, and so me and my friend were able to actually apply and um, got hired on there. Okay. All right then. Um, sound almost like a registry uh, program almost. Yeah. And so um, the Queen of the Valley is um, where I currently work and um, they're actually um, continuing that um, as we speak and having a residency program for eight to 12 weeks of a transition also to practice for new graduates. Okay. Okay. I, di- I didn't know about that. Um, I thought people just got in, just, you know, just apply and then, um, and then uh, either they knew somebody and just applied for the job. I didn't know they had mm-hmm. actually had a program already established. Yeah. To become an ICU nurse, um, did you have your bachelor's degree then or? Um, no, I just had my associate's degree. So I think more bachelor status is um, more geared towards um, hospitals that require you to have it versus specific units. Um, you know, a bachelor's is more preferred if you are applying. Um, but I did obtain my bachelor's a year and after getting hired there. Mm-hmm. I kind of figured that you seem to yeah. be very, uh, very ambitious from yes. everything you telling me so far. Um, where do you think you got that ambition from? Did you get it from your mom? Definitely my mom. It was always education was driven in our household. Um, and my dad always supported us in going to school. But um Definitely being able to um, have an education and support yourself was, you know, the main goal for me and my brothers um, growing up. And so just the ambition I would say would definitely be for my mom. Okay. All right. Now, um, question. How do you Mm -hmm. um, juggle your work life and your home life? I know you are very ambitious and then you have a growing family. So uh, how do you juggle all of that? Um, you know, I'm still learning as a new mom. My little one's only 15 months, so I learn day by day. Um, but having support, you know, from my husband and my family, you know, gets us through um, all of our challenges. Um, so I would say, you know, having family um, is a big assistance to us. And um, those who don't have family to support them, I give them tremendous credit because I would not know what to do without family. Mm, okay. Okay. So um, you say you've been a you are ICU nurse. How long have mm-hmm. you been doing that? It'll be my fifth year um, in September in the fall. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. Your fifth year. All right, so that means you was an ICU nurse during this pandemic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, would you like to share anything about that? Uh, about that uh, experience? I'm sure it was a uh, very hate. I know it was very hateful for us. In the operating room, how things were changing seemed like by the hour. So I know um, from my experience this last past year, I have gained a lot of respect for two different departments, uh, emergency room and the ICU, because they they are really on the front lines. You, you know, people just think nurses are on the front line, but not all nurses was exposed like the ICU and the e, uh, emergency room nurses. So I just want you to speak on that. Yeah, so during the um, COVID pandemic, um, definitely, like you said, having a new profound respect for other units, I think, um, is something to really focus on. Um, You know, we really collaborated as a hospital, um, coming together with all the different units and caring for these patients. Um, 
as far as intensive care, um, I did take care of a few COVID patients. The majority of my coworkers actually um, were able to uh, care for these patients more than I did. But the times that I did care for these patients, it was very heartbreaking. I mean, you can, you know, look up every, you know, nurse's quote that has been working in the pandemic and there has just been um, so much heart heartache and, you know, our sole job as nurses and especially intensive care is to have such a family unit surrounding these patients that are in their most vulnerable state of their life um, and not being able to have family come visit them during their end of life is something that really took a toll on, you know, myself and our, and my coworkers. Um, and that's something that was very um, hard for us to uh, swallow and to process and kind of just live by day by day with that. Um, but like you said, just being able to collaborate with other units and getting to know the other unit uh, nurses on the other units and was something that's, uh, I think, really nice to see, especially in a community setting is really what we, we do as a community hospital is care for one another. And I think that's something that really showed during that time. I agree with you. I know uh, early on, I was, uh, well, I pretty much took like temperatures down there by the uh, emergency room. And they used to have like uh, family members would come up. Hey, my um, my dad or mom is in the ICU. Can I come up? And I would have to go and ask the security guard. It's a whole workup. And just um, just seeing the emotional um, distress that the family members was mm-hmm. under, man, it just uh, it, it tears it tears your heart apart. Cause um man, you just you just never know. You just never know when um when it when it's your turn to to leave. So mm-hmm. you know uh, you would like to be uh have access to your family member whenever you want to, you know, especially when they're at their end of life standpoint. As far as um the COVID pandemic. You said you took care of some of them and some of some patients you didn't. Um, when you did take care of them, what was the biggest thing that you learned while um, while taking care of meeting meaning like um you know um what type of um drugs that um that you didn't know about that was used or techniques that that was used or, or even symptom wise you know. What, what did you learn early on that that way you can kind of detect, you know, somebody may have COVID or some, some along that line? Sure. And I think that's a really good question. And I think so the answer is that it's literally, it's unknown for every patient. And there was, you know, um, an underlying um, pattern for these patients, but uh, you know, patients that you think are going to get better don't, or patients you think aren't going to get that sick do. And I think that's something to take home for a lot of people that um, uh, don't really see COVID on the front lines. Um, but, you know, we were following protocol just like every other hospital with the latest evidence-based um, practices and medications like remdesivir. And we were fortunate enough to be able to um, obtain those types of medications. Um uh, proning our patients, you know, allowing them to be on their um, stomach, you know, a certain amount of hours a day. That's something that was new to us as a as a team because we had to come up with our own protocol. And there are, you know, specific beds that are able to do that for these patients, but being able, we're having to do them self-proning as far as um, our staff doing it for our patients or even having our patients that were able to do it on their own. Um, and so I think um, certain techniques, like you said, came into play that, yes, we knew about, but now we were actually having to enforce. Um, but again, it was a team effort. We would have, you know, at least, 
five or six staff members in the room to do this, to make sure that they were safe because they were, you know, these patients were so unstable, even just churning them, you know, would become, make them so unstable that it was um, a little scary at times. And you just have to hold your breath and pray that everything turns out okay. I'm gonna say this, um, early in my career, I was a med surge or a nurse and somebody at the end of life, Man, though, you know, you, you never want a patient to die on your shift. It's a lot of paperwork and it's, it's just a lot of work up. Um, and then you, you know, it's a lot of emotional distress more times than not. The family is around. It just it's it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with. Boy, I remember the first patient I had that was at the end of life. You know, we were pretty much just trying to keep them comfortable, give them some morphine every every so hours. We messed around. I got to the end of my shift and um, we had to uh, clean them up. Had to turn them. Wrong move, Barry. <laughs> hey, we, we turned them, we cleaned them and stuff. Hey, I promise you about 10, 15 minutes later, he had stopped breathing and everything. I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. It's like you clean them up just so they can go ahead and pass on. I was like, man, that turned it. So that's why you, when you said that right there, you just hold your breath. Hey, I understand, man. Hey, turning them patients at the end, they just, mm-hmm. they too unstable, man. And and before you know it, hey, they, they pretty much they gone on the glory. But um, uh, another thing I, w- I would like for you, to those that um that don't believe that COVID is real, would you, uh, would you like to uh, expand upon that? I know there's some people that believe that. Yeah, I, you know, that's uh, obviously working in this profession, we have such a, a big opinion on it. So I won't make it too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> please don't, don't, yeah, don't or, make it too opinionated. <laughs> I won't, I won't. And I have such a big opinion. So I have to try and keep it, you know, minimal and professional. But to those who say that COVID isn't real, um, it, it is. And I don't know how else to say that. Um, you know, I don't know how else to tell you how many times our, our myself and my coworkers have been in situations where, you know, we're um, actively trying to save somebody by doing compressions on someone's chest and having family members who are, aren't able to come visit have their phone up to their loved one's ear saying that they love them and that they're their best friend. And I don't think that's something to take lightly because if it was somebody of your family, that had to go through that, I think some people's opinions would be a lot different. Mm, I got you. I got you. Now we're gonna we're gonna pivot off of that and um go towards how do you or what what's your outlet emotionally? I know working in the ICU, sometimes working in the operating room, it could be uh emotionally taxing because it's just a stressful uh, situation. You got pretty much you deal with life and death. How do you deal with um with the stresses of life, I mean, our stresses of work, what, what type yeah. of outlets do you have? Um, I think I really try to focus on um, not making it personal to me and making sure that um, I really remember that I did this to take care of these patients and take care of their um, loved ones. Um, I try to um, embrace that and really focus on my patient and their family and trying to support them and get through you know, the hardest time in their life at the time. And so um, if you can't, you know, you always have your coworkers who are also um, going through this type of distress and emotional despair. 
Um, and then, you know, my husband, since he works in the medical field as well, being able to vent to him as well um, is something that uh, I think really um, helps out because he understands where he, um, you know, where I come from at times. And so that's really nice to have someone understand how you feel versus kind of being like, oh, I guess I, but I don't really get it. But having that, you know, some people just don't understand because they're not in that, in that medical field or, or anything, but um, seeing that he is and um, you have your coworkers, uh, I think are the two biggest things that really help you through times. Okay. All right, then. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. When I get home, I try not to even talk about work. I yeah. guess that's, that's probably why I lean towards the <laughs> wine bottle. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my uh, coping mechanism. I still have five more months to get there. <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah you do yeah you do. All right then. Um, in five years, where do you see your career going? Or uh, what's your what's your goals and within the nursing field or uh, outside yeah. of nursing? Um, I think nursing will be forever my career. Um, but within five years, um, I would like to go back to school for my master's or even my DNP. Um, in the next year or so, um, and really focus on education and um, even possibly like a clinical nurse leader. Um, teaching is something that's also another um, passion of mine. Um, I also am a clinical instructor part-time for Napa Valley College. Um, and then um, I, I really like to um, orient and precept new grads and new hires, um, you know, because I feel like you learn from every um, person that I orient and precept and you can never stop learning. Okay. So you more of a teacher then than anything else. Yeah. I love to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I know me, I, I actually get more of a um, kick out of talking to the young people and uh, just going back. I know you probably can't tell, but uh, I actually, when I go back home, I actually get before a crowd of about 100, 200 folks and just talk to them about nursing and stuff like that. And they actually be listening to my country behind. That's the funny thing about it. I don't even take myself <laughs> serious like that, but people actually listen to me and they just take my experience and, and just go from now. So um, I just, um, I, I, I see that part, I, I see that part of, uh, you know, uh, nursing and um, it's very important for those that, they have the mindset to give back, to give back. Cause it's not a lot of nurses that do that um, from the South. I don't know about out here, but in California, but down South, they say the nurse that eats is young, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of older nurses, they don't really just share their knowledge like that. Or oh, better yet, if you, if they do, you have to be cool with them and you have to be their friend, things of that nature. And they'll be more willing to uh, share their knowledge. So um, I just have learned, you know, the hard way how to maneuver throughout nursing and um, and try to just get the, get the most out of it. But uh, what, what is your opinion to those that would like to get into nursing and I bet you want to get into the ICU? What's some advice you would give them? Um, I would give them to not give up. I know there's so many barriers to getting into nursing. Um, there's, you know, such a lot of uh, coursework to even apply to programs um, and not mentioning, you know, those who need to work and take care of a family and think it's impossible, or even those who feel like it's going to be their second career and they're going back in their thirties and forties. And I don't see anything wrong with that. 
you know, I think, you know, we have one life and we need to um, go after our goals and dreams that, you know, we have. Um, so I, I would just say not to give up and find someone, you know, like yourself who, who are helping these, um, these students and um, prospects to go into nursing, because I think that's a big portion as well as finding someone who can guide you um, to your end goal. Um, Cause when you're looking at the big picture, you could really easily get lost and not know how to, you know, achieve your goal, but finding someone who can help you get there, I think is something really key. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. Well, hey, um, well, you know what? Before I get out of here, uh, uh, before I start um, ending the show with some uh, quick, quick hitter questions, traveling nursing, have you ever thought about doing that? I have never thought about doing travel nursing. Um, I'm one of those will probably um, stay here in Napa <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, okay. But um, I, I think um, from the travelers that we have at work, they you know say nothing but good things about it. If that's something that you know you want to pursue, I think you can gain a lot and um, be able to see a lot and experience a lot of different hospitals. Um, so I would say if you know if, if you want to do it, definitely go for it. Um, I know a lot of travelers say, you know, this is my first assignment. I wanted to try it out, and then they find out it's not for them or it's something that they love to do, and they've been doing it, you know, for X amount of years. But it's not something that personally I would do. Okay. All right. I had to ask because I have uh, a lot of nurses from Alabama that, that mm-hmm. tune in and they are very interested in uh, doing nursing within California. Um, so I had to ask you that just, just so they can uh, get a, a California nurse perspective. About yeah, and a lot nursing. of our a lot of our um, travel nurses come from you know the south, and they love it out here. Um, I do have to say that, as they say, it's you know obviously different. Um, you know, we have staff ratios out here; the pay is a little bit more competitive to the area, and I think that's are the two big things that um, I have heard from other staff members as to why they come to travel to California. Um, and then a big thing is they said, I, I just always wanted to come to California and see what it's like over here and, you know, be outdoors. And that's another thing that why they come over here to travel. Right. It, it's almost when you're from down south, it's almost like California is a whole nother world. You're mm-hmm. going to a whole nother planet out there. But um, I, I, I enjoy working out there. And so um, I can see why other people say they like it. All right. Well, uh, Miss Jessica, it's been good. Uh, we're going to get down to the quick hitters. I got a list, a laundry list of questions that I like to ask you, ask every guest on the show. And uh, we're going to start with, who's your favorite music artist when you driving in to Trankus Street? <laughs> hey, who, who, who you have playing on your radio? Uh, you know, at this time, <clears throat> it's whatever is on the radio, actually, I listen to. Um, I think majority of my... Um, music is, is around Sesame Street at this time. <laughs> so I don't think I'm necessarily um, up to speed on a lot of things like I used to be. <laughs> okay. Hey, that, that's what you call a good mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Then, well, hey, tell me some uh, activities that you uh, did for fun during COVID. Oh, during COVID. <clears throat> I think um, I've never been a really big outdoors person, but, you know, we've been trying to do things more outdoors together as a family so I think that's really the only thing that we've been able to do is finding, you know, like uh, more secluded things to do as a family, going out to certain beaches and um, 
certain parks with our little ones. So that's something that we've been trying to do. Okay. All right, then. All right. Do you watch uh, movies? Yes. Movies are a big part of our life. Okay. Well, hey, who who, who are your uh, Mount Rushmore when it comes to um, actors? Give me your top um, four actors. Top four actors. Um, for other reasons other than acting, it would be uh, Tom Hardy for sure is number one. Um, you know, I think Christian Bale, uh, Michael Caine, and I know a lot of these probably from the Batman series in general, but um, I think, uh, who else? Let's see, that's three of four. As far as a female role, I think Charlie Theron is actually someone who is a really good, uh, like, uh, chameleon as far as, you know, being able to uh, perform different, different parts role. and roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, someone who embodies uh just some you know a beautiful woman in general would be Gal Gadot and I think a lot of people would agree I agree Uh, I'm sure you do too (laughs) I think I have a female crush and I have never been that way hey don't worry I got a female crush on her too (laughs) but I think you know you know she embodies you know being a mom and just being beautiful and poised and um you know a good actress and I think that's something that um is a good role model in general for you know uh younger people Okay. All right, then. Name one thing you would tell your younger self. That's actually a really good question. What would I tell my younger self? I think I would travel more. Um, mm. That's something that I think I wish I would have done is just travel a little bit more. Um, I don't like to fly. <laughs> so I think, you know, getting over the fear of flying and just, you know, going out and seeing the worlds before, you know, settling down uh, with um, kids, I think would be the something that um, I wish I would have done a little bit earlier. But um, my whole life was focused around education. So I don't really, you know, that was one thing that I don't think I really thought of because my sole focus was, you know, to become a nurse. And so, but I would definitely say travel. Okay. All right, then. Well, luckily, you in the Bay Area. So, I mean, it's beautiful places within the driving range. So, I mean, I, I try to tell everybody when I go home, man, go out there to the Bay Area, man. The Bay Area is beautiful. It's, a, it's hard to find a bad spot in the Bay Area. Yeah. Man, no, it's beautiful to live here. Yeah, it is beautiful. So, I just recently found out about uh, Hell Moon Bay. I love oh, Hell Moon mm-hmm. Bay. Yeah, Hell Moon Bay is beautiful, boy. I went out there. Where, where did I go? Went out there to Sam's Clouder House or something like that. I know I'm mispronouncing miss, <laughs> uh, the word, but uh, shoot, I went out there. Man, that beach was beautiful. Hey, I got I got the uh, translucent on um, glasses, so they kind of uh, when the, when I go out in the sun, they turn into shades. Man, oh, yeah. hey, they did, they did, uh, they did a disservice, man. I was trying to take my glasses off, couldn't see nothing. Everything was blurry. I was like, man, hey, I, I should have won contest today, man. It was so beautiful out there. Man, but hey, I'm going to have to go back one day. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, name one nurse that you will uh, think would be on our show. Now, if you name them, you got to help us get them. Oh, that's a good one. Who would want to come to a podcast? <laughs> uh, let's see here. That's a good one. A nurse that would want to go on a podcast, one of my friends. I think yeah, maybe one of your co- your own coworkers, uh, Michael Ho, CRNA. I'm gonna put him on the spotlight. Michael, who is Michael? Who are you talking about? What the CRNA in the OR? 
I think. Oh he's- yeah, Michael. Yes, I know who you're talking about now. Good God. <laughs> I'm gonna put him on the spot because I am um, orienting his uh, partner, who is a new grad. Um, we've been working together the last couple of weeks, so I'm gonna put Michael on the spot. And he has a lot to offer. I'm sure it's you know coming from critical care as well, and then um, progressing into CRNA. So I think that would be a good. Uh, next visit so i'm gonna um vote for michael <laughs> okay all right that's cool that's cool hey well, hey i'm gonna tell you this uh it's been a, a great interview um i have thoroughly enjoyed it um i hope you in the future you say you like to uh, talk to students and stuff like that i got a couple of people that um uh, that want to do icu so um if you open to talking to them at some point that'll be cool um also I just want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule and um and um talking to me on here. A lot of people gonna listen to this and um and uh be encouraged not only by your struggle but you know your your pathway into nursing, but just being able to hear a ICU nurse uh perspective about things. So I just want to tell you thank you for taking time out and uh hopefully we can have uh Mr. Michael on here soon. There you go. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Ricardo, he tell me from time to time that y'all tune in and listen. And um, I appreciate his uh, opinion because I know he's going to get it to me straight. So, yes, he will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I like. That's what I like about Ricardo. I, I, it's hard for me to find uh, genuine people out here. So um, that's one thing I do like about him. He can tell, he tell it to me straight. Hey, we're going to laugh and joke about it and we're going to keep on moving. So, and that's what I like about Ricardo. But yes, uh, to everybody that listening in, um, I want you to share the episode um, with your family members and your friends. And uh, you've been locked into another episode of Understanding the Nursing Game podcast. Mm-hmm.